Hello and welcome to Uniformed Handball Hour. This is Brian Campion speaking to you, joined by Chris O'Reilly, Alex Kulish. And today on the episode, we're going to be talking all about the Champions League. And we have a very special guest in Berto Servas, the club president of Kielce, who sat down with us for about 30 minutes and gave us lots of wonderful insight into everything from transfers to the club, looking for sponsorship and his club philosophy. We'll get to that a little bit later, but for the moment, hello boys. Hello Brian. Hey Brian. How are we doing? Not too bad. Where was the last time? Oh no, Brian was in the last podcast. It felt like it felt like you were you abandoned us over the summer there. Well yeah, I was gone for a little bit. I uh, had a bit of a hiatus up uh, disciplining kids in the mountains that sounds wrong no way let's, let me say that again up uh, teaching <laughs> <laughs> up teaching kids uh, English in the the Vienna Alps or the Vienna Alps oh my god teaching kids in the Austrian Alps uh, how to speak English <laughs> you might as well just leave all that in Chris um, but yeah it was a long summer but I'm uh, <laughs> you, you taught them how to speak English and you lost your own ability yeah. to do it that's it you kind of it's like os- osmosis you absorb a little bit of their, their language level but yeah I'm back yeah, and uh, it's good to have the season up back, up back and running I haven't gone to a game yet because uh, DHF decided that they're going to have people on site just yet but I'm hoping for round four onwards that we'll be we'll be back on site I'm really really excited to get back to the games again and just seeing all the the hall's full and uh, it just looks great. It's really like the good old times are back again. I don't know about you guys, but this feels like we're heading into a proper season now, unlike last season's kind of on-off hiatus season that we had. Yeah, absolutely. The the fans is something that struck me, like watching those first couple of games of the season in the leagues, but also the first round in the Champions League. And it was just amazing. It, it was a spectacle. It's not an empty hall where you just, all you can hear is the ball moving around. You feel the energy. And I think it's going to impact a lot of uh, games this season. And we may have already seen it impacting games with, I think, Vesprem's win against PSG probably would not have happened if that was in an empty arena. But pretty exciting season ahead of us. And I love our annual tradition of doing a preview podcast after a competition has started so we can react really heavily to the first results. So are Dinamo Bucharesti the best team in the world right now? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring something up here because uh, for most of the season, my, in, my first reaction uh, in the, the preview podcast last year seemed ridiculous where I was really hyping up Nantes and Alborg. And now, see what happened at the end of the season? Come on, in a, last year in our Bundesliga preview, we asked the question, do you guys think that Leipzig have what it takes to win the Bundesliga after they won their first four games? 
that's why. That's why. That's why. <laughs> so we'll tone it back a little bit. Yeah, and as I promised in the last podcast, we will have a Bundesliga one, but that'll come. Uh, it'll come in a little bit. We'll we'll wait to see uh, the, where the red herrings are coming from, and try to avoid overhyping them. But um, I just I think we can we can start with like uh, with Group A here, and I think Alex, it might have been you on Twitter who uh, listed your surprise package as being the heavily bolstered team of Zagreb. And uh, that's one team where you would hope with their their summer signings and the return of fans that they might actually be able to do something. And then they just did a classic Zagreb and lost by 10 goals at home to Aalborg. Yeah, that that really um, threw that prediction off. But again, let's not react to the first game. (laughs) Zagreb had a really nice preseason. They brought some Croatian players back. They, you know, the top stars, Cupic, Musa, Jakub Goyun and Ivic all signed for Zagreb. They're really going back to that Croatian core. And they performed really well in that bizarre Seha uh, Final Four competition where they, even though they actually got knocked out um, uh, to Vardar, and didn't make the final four. Vardar had one mysterious case of COVID, which knocked them out. And then, you know, they beat Meshkov Brest. They really put it up to Veshprem. So I do see them being a much better team. That's not saying too much because they were terrible last year. They were by far the worst team mm. in the Champions League. By far. They, <laughs> they were almost embarrassing. So I do like that they have taken that as notice and bolstered the squad and seem to have something there to, to work from. So for me, surprise in this case is that they're not going to be as terrible as last year. And I think they will fight for that kind of sixth place position to qualify for the rounds because there's a, there's a few teams in, in this group that um, are a little bit mysterious at the moment. That being... Alvarum, I think Montpellier, after I talked with Kevin Delvaux, aren't, aren't quite there to, to fully compete. Um, I say that, but then they drew with Pixaget. So again, I think this group is completely open. Yeah, what well, we've kind of looked at preseason as being the weaker of the two groups. And I think it's it's fair to say also when you look at Group B, just how stacked it is. But yeah, two draws out of the four games uh, in the opening round, Elverum and Vardar drawing in Norway, and then Montpellier and Sega drawing in France, uh, and Kiel also kind of uh, narrowly getting a, a victory over Brest, who themselves are, are trying to make the like a, a proper breakthrough. I mean, they got to the quarterfinals last season, but trying to establish themselves as regular contenders for it. I mean, I think last season we we broke it down into like the the true top dogs in the group and then seeing who who would be battling for third, fourth place and then who'd be battling for the ticket to the playoffs. Is it fair to put Alborg in with Kiel uh, and Seged as like the top three teams that should run away with this group? Yeah, I think so. Can Alborg reach the same heights as they did last season is the biggest question, I think, for, for, for most people. And I think Parmesan is injured at the moment as again, so that's obviously a big blow for them. Um, 
but I'd like to think so. So I put, I definitely put Alborg in that group. Keel are completely unchanged. So in terms of consistency, you'd imagine they would be up or thereabouts the same as they were last season. Pixegan have massive uh, improvements to their squad. So they're probably, it's probably the most exciting signings with Martins, with the likes of Martins um, coming in the centre back. Um, I was probably surprised by the draw with Montpellier because I thought Montpellier maybe took a little bit of a step back in terms of losing Richardson and uh, Truck. So I was maybe surprised by, by their level because I thought they had kind of taken a bit of a step backwards. So yeah, I'd probably put those three in the top. And then for this, the mid group then, I, I don't know, I think I'd probably put Elvin right at the bottom. And then it's a close, I don't know, I'm not really sure between Zagreb and Vardar because Zagreb made a lot of those signings, but then that first game really threw a span in the works in terms of uh, what you might think about them. But it's, I think it's a toss-up between Vardar and uh, Zagreb and then I'd probably put Montpellier. Oh, forget about Brest. Sorry, I put Brest right at the t- right at the top of that mid group, uh, followed by uh, Montpellier. Then toss up between Varda and Zagreb, and then Elverum at the bottom. Oh, yeah, and uh, I was actually I was really surprised by Elverum getting that draw with Varda, um, because I I also had them at the bottom. Um, you know, I had them not even qualifying for not getting the wild card. Um, but they seem to, despite losing some um, big names for, for them, well, Luke Abelo, who went to Japan, which is that not just the perfect fit for Luke Abelo? The, you know, he can explore a new culture after the mountains of uh, Norway. And probably play, probably play it uh, right back as well. <laughs> He'd probably be the tallest, <laughs> tallest backcourt player. <laughs> Yeah, so I, but I don't see them um, keeping up that level. Vardar are just such a mystery right now. They've they have Vujovic, who is just an explosive character. So really depends on whether the team buys in and kind of fits together under Vujovic. It's a it's a really kind of thrown together team. They made a lot of new signings, including the Gnocas brothers last minute and potentially losing Gerbindo. So it just seems like this whirlwind going on in Vardar. And they have the talent to, I'd say, get to that kind of high level of the mid uh, teams in that group. But just whether it settles down or not is the big question. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an explosion um, halfway into a season, and we're talking about Vardar not existing again. That's <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, uh, um, what's the uh, the status update on on Gurbindo? Because he has he hasn't played a, has he played a game for them yet or or not? Because it's it's he's been linked with Dynamo, isn't that correct? I don't know if you know anything more about that because obviously that would be a, a huge. He was their their marquee signing, wasn't he? Really over the whole summer. Yeah, I I don't think there's too much information on that because. Varda are basically waiting for a transfer fee from uh, Dino Bucharesti. He hasn't played in the Champions League. Um, he didn't play the first game. So I think that move is still open. Okay, but I guess we can we can almost assume that he's he's going. Interesting. I mean, it is such a, it's kind of a ragtag bunch of players, the, the Vardar team at the moment, when you consider that the Neocast twins joined from from Metallurg like days beforehand it's very very Vardar nowadays and I, I get the feeling that we'll talk a little bit about Dinamo Bucharesti but I think they're going to be the new Vardar in a 
not in a going bankrupt kind of way but uh, <laughs> in another way but i was really uh yeah impressed by the the seged montpellier game and montpellier who as you said we talked a little bit with kevin about which is a very like promising but untested team uh, but what i particularly liked about them was that uh, like the entire squad got involved in that game there were six players who scored three goals and five who scored two goals no more than three but just like a proper spread uh, which i haven't seen the likes of at this level maybe ever so uh, interesting to see how they develop and i think they'll be buoyed by that draw with uh, a very exciting second team so zagat we talked about them quite a lot last year and how their their season was just such a mess due to covid and you know we kind of we let them have a full pass for the season um but with a big squad you know some improvements to the squad they got Miguel Martins um Mashkasek Tunison in as well um a few kind of Veshprem to Zeget switches uh, this summer do you see them as being a proper contender for the final four for the title what they probably see themselves as I think the last season wasn't a complete write-off I mean they did win the Hungarian league so uh that's uh, they're coming into this as Hungarian champions so th- th- I remember them finishing very very strong the likes of Alexander Blanc coming in like and when you have the centre-back of Dean Bombach and Martins that's just a really exciting combination it's at centre-back and then who else who else do you have come in or Frimmel as well Sebastian Frimmel on the left wing. Sebastian Frimmel, yeah, the Austrian coming in there as well. I mean, Stepanchis and Tonneson, I mean, has been there for a few seasons now, but if you'd, you'd imagine if once he gets back from injury and finds some form again, that right back position, it's kind of like a lot of the unsung heroes of, 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 uh, of the, the handball in the, in the right back position. So in my opinion, they're put together as a bit of an old school team because they have a... Playmaker now two with Bombats and Martins that are very inventive and just some big boys on the left back with Maskosek and Bodo, some big boys on the right back with Tunison, Sapancic, and the biggest boy on the line, Banhidi. So they, they have the mass and they have the style where they, they want to bomb every team and attack. And what we've seen that Hamble is kind of going away from that. You know, we've seen the likes of Matthias Gissel come in. Um, Alex Tushabayev is probably the original version of that where it's about getting to the six-meter line and getting the easy shot as opposed to shooting over a defense. And that's what worries me about Zeget this year. I don't think they have enough variability in that style. When it works, it, it works really well. Um, but... I think teams can plan for it quite well and let them have those nine, 10 meter shots and work the percentages and trust their goalkeeper and defenders to shut them down. So that's why I don't think um, Zeget, for me, are a real contender for the title. They're still good. They might make the final four, but I, I just don't see it. On the contrary to that, like when you do have Martins and Bombach working alongside the biggest boy Banhidi it's it's difficult to to cover everything as well and I think they have made some uh some good signings on the wing as well like uh Radivojevic is is already there on the right hand side 
Um, so Surich is pretty good as well on the right-hand side, and now they've brought in um, Blondes, who actually, he got injured, didn't he, in the first game? I don't know how serious that injury is for him, but he seems to be having uh, some pretty consistent knee injuries, which is a, a bit worrying for him at just 21, but hopefully uh, it's nothing too serious. But him and, and Frimmel, who was brilliant in their first game so i think they they have enough options there but yeah kind of one-dimensional at least when it comes to the the left and right backs i agree with you there i think we can all agree that group b is the (laughs) where all the big dogs sit at the moment It, it seems to be completely wide open and we'll see a lot of big games from this group but before we talk about that we should probably talk to Berta Sarvas, the president of one of these teams vying to be top of Group B. So without further ado, we'll go into our interview with Bert. Bertus, thank you very much for joining us. And it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, how are you doing over in Kielce? Oh, we are, we are fairly well. Although although our uh, lost in uh, Romanian gives, some, gives, of course, some, some rumours, but uh, but it's okay. I think uh, we did some good talking with the, with the players, with the trainer, and I think everyone is focused now against the Vesprem Thursday, and hope we can win this match and then go on from the good side and not from the bad side because uh, we accepted accepted expected of course that we win in, in Romania. Mm-hmm. Of course, we knew it will be very difficult, but still we thought we are strong enough. Uh, but I have to say the. Romanian side were better than us. So no doubt about their uh, their victory. Oh, we could talk a little bit about about the season and, and the start of it uh, in a moment. But first of all, I'd love to hear a bit about uh, your own journey and your involvement in in Kielce because on the face of it, you seem like you've had a very interesting journey. And I think a lot of people wonder how did a Dutchman become the owner of one of the biggest handball clubs in the world. Now, in the beginning, it was very strange around 20 years ago because I never heard about handball. Uh, in Holland, that time was handball uh, nothing. When I came to Kielce, which was, of course, a handball city, uh, someone invited me to see this match. And I said, no, I can't. Because it's a, I thought, what the hell I have to do in handball? And uh, <laughs> and then, of course, he, he, he came two times, third time, fourth time. I said, to be honest, just to get rid of him, I thought, now let's go to see this match. And then I saw this match and I said, this is very nice. This is uh, this is uh, something else. This is more a uh, uh, fight person to person, not not uh, like like volleyball or even football. Much much more uh, much more excited and so on. So so I think I also had the luck that I had a very good game and very very close together. And that was. Uh, for me, the reason to say, okay, I, I become a small sponsor, but it was, I think, 22 or 23 years ago. And then in uh, 1992, uh, no, 2002, in 2002, the, the head sponsor stopped uh, sponsoring. And then I said, okay, I can do this, but on my way, not on the way it used to be in Kiel's organized. Uh, that was a shock for a lot of people. Uh, because my way was a little bit different than they were used to. But I said to them, who wants to go can go, who wants to keep can keep, but the aim is that and there we're going and there is no way back. So 
So uh, I think it was very clear as a lot of sponsors said they don't want to get involved in this. And a lot of sponsors said, okay, we stay. So uh, it was a good start. Then we made a little bit according to, to a sort of plan of uh, 100 sponsors. So small sponsors, uh, in my opinion, better is to have a lot of sponsors, which give a little bit, than one which give a lot. Okay, now the situation is different, of course, but at that time uh, it, was, it was like this. And uh, yeah, then we build it up. And then I had the program we never could win. Only the first year we win the Polish championship. And then again, uh, we all the time lost. And then I think in 2007 or eight, I think seven, uh, I decided to go uh, one way and to get Bogdan Wendt to us, uh, which will give us uh, lots more possibilities to get the old players back. And it was very, very difficult to convince Bogdan. Uh, it took me, I think, more than one year. Uh, but at the end, he... Uh, He collapsed, moving let's put it like this. <laughs> and uh, and then, of course, from, from the moment Bogdan went in our club, it was much easier because we could get big uh, Polish players back and then it's easier to get other players. And and then we build up until the final four. And uh, yeah, and then again, it was a problem that the players in Bogdan couldn't go through one door anymore. It was in, I think, 2013 around. And, and then we, of course, uh, changed Bogdan to Talent. And uh, yeah, with Talent, uh, the job from a manager is very easy. I mean, there is, I don't think there is a player in the world who don't want to play for Talent as a So this makes my job, of course, uh, much easier. On the other side, we don't have the money uh, like a lot of other clubs. So we have to be very, uh, let's say, uh, And we have to think about things which you nobody uh, thinks about to get the players uh, to you. Of course, we built up now a network of managers and so on. This is this is normal. Uh, but I think uh, uh, what we try to do is to keep the family atmosphere in the club. And I think this is very important. Uh, everyone who comes to us and was with us uh, is not is not speaking bad about us. I don't know uh, one player in these 20 years who say one word uh, bad about the club. So, so that's, I think, uh, also uh, a thing which is important in handball, that, that they have the security uh, that what we say, we also do. Uh, it's not always easy because it's always on the edge. We are going on the edge and we don't have, let's say, uh, 10 million on the, on the bank account. But still, until now, we, we are managing uh, to do well. And I think your role in the club is probably a little bit unique for handball and maybe even sport, where you have this combination of manager, sponsor, very involved with the club. You've been there for so long and you mentioned, you know, you said you want to do it your way. So how would you define your way of uh, running a club? My way is, is uh, bounding people. I think this is the, the most important uh, thing to get the people, not only get the bill of the sponsoring, but to give them something more. The, of course, the the... The sponsors, are, the big sponsors, are looking to the value of the of the advertising and so on. But I think it's also very important what we do next to it. I always teach my people we should should do something extra for the sponsors, we, which I don't expect. So, so, so uh, it's not only a party or whatever. But, but uh, let's go. Uh, uh, for example, a player goes to the sponsor to to give him uh, something, or there are twenty, thirty of these uh, examples which I, which I can give. 
Uh, but the most important thing is, I think, that everyone feels involved. So we have a combination of sponsors, supporters, and players. And this must be uh, must be one. Uh, the players also have a lot of uh, extra work. Uh, this is the, the, the bad thing about it, but this is uh, necessary. Uh, they have a lot of work to go there, to go there, to do this, to do this. But they know. And, and uh, if you plan it well, it's okay. In the beginning, we planned sometimes not too well. And we said, you have to tomorrow to go there. And that was always a problem. But now we uh, try to manage it one week, two weeks before, so that the player also can put his family and his whole uh, schedules about this. And it works very well. And uh, I think what's most important, uh, I always say my value is, I think I'm a normal person. I'm talking with the lady of the toilet the same than with the vice president or with the trainer of the club. And I think the people, uh, people are respected. You mentioned there before about um, you don't, might not have the same amount of money as some of the other clubs to attract players, but you do it in more kind of, you have to think of new ways to attract players. Could you maybe give us an example of something you've done in the past that was maybe a bit outside of the box? I can give you one uh, silly example, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but maybe it's a good, uh, I think uh, the, his manager will not be angry at me, I hope at least. When it but one time we had a situation with one player and uh, he wanted to go, he could go everywhere. Uh, let's say the most big clubs uh, and everyone was looking after him and, and so on. And then I thought, oh, what can I do? No money. Uh, so I was searching for his weak point. So I was checking his family situation, his friends and so on. And then I heard in, in, uh, from one guy, he's a very good friend of uh, Rasko Stoikovic. And Rasko played, of course, many years in Kels. Uh, Rasko is... Uh, Oh, I have a very good relation with, with Rasko. So I was phoning to Rasko and I said, Rasko, help me with this guy. Okay? He said, okay, send me the contract on, wax, on the fax machine. I said, it's impossible. I mean, the guy is a manager. You can't do this sort of things. He said, do you want him or you don't you want him? If you want him, send me the contract. If you don't want him, just don't do it. So I was thinking about it one hour and back to Rasko. I said, okay, I sent you the contract. So I sent him the contract and 15 minutes later, I had the signature of uh, of this guy. And <laughs> of course, then I had the problem. So I phoned him to his manager. I said to his manager, uh, my friend, uh, uh, we want to have him. Eh? And he said he said to us, yes, but he have orders from Paris, from uh, Kiel and so on and so on. I said, yeah, but there is one problem. And he said, what? I said, I just signed him. And then he went, of course, uh, a little bit mad. Uh, but okay, I, I said to him, hold on, we speak, I give you the provision uh, for your contract, no problem, you didn't have to do anything for it, we made some jokes, and we have a good relation still, but but it was a very funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to we're gonna have to try and figure it out who that is. <laughs> One thing more uh, is, is also, you, you have to be quickly, I mean, our... Uh, our advantage is I don't need any decision of anyone else. And so if if I see a player, what I what I of course try to do is to give them not a chance in Paris or in Barcelona, whatever they are, a little bit slower than we. And so this is the things you have to try to to uh, to do. Uh, I mean, I don't give the players much time. If if I I always say my offer is uh, good for twenty four hours. And if not, then, of course, it's not always working like this. And now I'm also after a player and we are already discussing a few months. Uh, but but sometimes it works. And uh, I remember Sindrits uh, 
it was really a question of hours because I think next day Paris was there. Yeah, but uh, then we already signed. So yeah, it's it's a little bit the sport to be to be quicker than these people. Mm, you seem to uh, really relish that side of it as well. I love it. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the transfer. I said to my club, I can give everything away, but I don't want to give the transfers. Transfers is, is uh, if, I mean, you build a team uh, uh, because we, we try to look to the team as, as a family. What I said, if we think someone is not shooting in this family, we don't want him, even if he's better uh, sportly than the other one. We just want nobody to uh, to spoil our inside thing. And that's why I went angry after the match for Romania. And this is not a question of, of playing bad or whatever. It's a question of, of feeling, are we together or are we not together? And I think this was uh, for me the, the difficult part in, in this weekend to get the people again like this, that we have to be one family. And I don't accept if you're not one family. This is me not to accept. I can accept bad playing, losing, no problem. That's life. But uh, we should have all the same aim. You mentioned before there that uh, with Talented Shabayev, it makes your life easier. Also, when it comes to transfers then, because I can imagine he has his own opinions on, on these things as well. Uh, let's put it like this the, the uh, times we had a big fight uh, uh, was the few for, uh, first few years now we know uh, he knows me I know him uh, we have the same philosophy I think about uh, human being and so on about talent of course is very emotional even more as me he's very very uh, he can't be quiet uh, but everyone, every player has, has enormous respect for him. And this is, uh, this is of course, the basis. Uh, it's not an easy trainer, but everyone knows because the players always talk together, of course. Uh, but for me, uh, it's also a great person. I mean, I know how many times talent could have left us for bigger money, for uh, other things. But uh, he always said to me, Bert, we are together in this project. And... Uh, we have to go together, uh, we go on. And so uh, I helped him a lot with other things. He helped me a lot with being the trainer of Kelts and, and uh, a great person. For me, a great personality. Of course, it's not like this, like that people always think Talent and me are friends, so he will be forever. Uh, Talent also know that uh, we look to, uh, to the results. That's, that's normal. But I said yesterday to someone, I said, we uh, last uh, 10 years, so last eight years with Talent, uh, we win uh, eight times the championships, eight times the cup, and we were three times in the final four. So, yeah, if you think this is bad, don't tell me what is good. Yeah, so, I, uh, you know, it's always with supporters and with sponsors like this that that they are very quickly in panic. And I think the the good word in handball, uh, what you always need, should be patience. Uh, you need patience uh, in the team. You need patience in the club. Nobody can change the team. 2016, we were the oldest team in the Champions League. Now we are the youngest team in the Champions League. This is this cost. This cost. You have to calculate these costs. This is it. And and uh, I think we went a little bit too too quickly to the final four when we changed it. And now everyone thinks you always have to go to the final four, or the season is uh, wrong. It doesn't work like this. I even this morning in Twitter. We had a nice discussion with the Spanish guy about this. Uh, to to the people have to understand what they have, uh, and this is sometimes uh, a failure in the thinking of the people that it's too normal. If something is too normal, then you lose it. Then you can see uh, how good it was. 
And at this moment, I think a little bit is this a little bit in Kelsey, a little bit like this. Everything is normal. We have to win from Barcelona. We have to win from Paris. It's not that easy. I mean, <laughs> these are <laughs> very, very good clubs. And, and we have to realize what we have in Kjeldse is something special for such a small city. It's something special. Like Vesperum, for example. It's also for, it's something special. And now 18 months back where uh, Kjeldse had a bit of a crisis and it, it looked like the club may, may not continue. Of course, that, that, that was a shock. But out of that comes this new team, a really strong support and a way forward. How was that period for you and how did you kind of manage to get back to the high level? For me, it was very difficult. It's, it's around 12 months ago, I think, 15. Okay. Uh, my firm had a lot, a lot of problems with COVID. And we lost, uh, tell you how many, but very, very, very many. So this was the problem that my firm couldn't be uh, anymore. And this, of course, was a big amount of the of the of the budget, but we uh, we all go to Womsa because this is unbelievable. The owner of uh, the president, of course, of Womsa, uh, I have to thank very much for this because to find in this terrible time of COVID a sponsor would which give you the uh, the same security as, as Viva before or, or even better is uh, is is unbelievable. And uh, we managed to sign with them a four years contract. And we are, we are, we are very, very, very happy with them. And uh, but I will think, I will be thankful to him for the rest of my life because this guy, uh, in a, in a talking of video in uh, in half an hour, I think uh, we we made this decision. This is unbelievable. I I mean, I one time going to write this in the book how this was, but this was unbelievable for me. Uh, it was like a dream uh, uh, happening. This. They always say to me, uh, Bert, you did it. I didn't do anything. I just had luck that this guy said yes. Of course, we searched him, maybe did some research and so on, but but the guy was unbelievable. So in that way, uh, we were we were at that moment very lucky. From that, and I remember we, we spoke to Magda uh, last year when the crowdfunding started and, and about the situation to go from that to towards the end of last season, uh, making all those long contract extensions as well as the new signings, but you know, extending with talent with Alex with uh, Andy Wolf was that almost like a sign from the club as well to say we are here to stay? Like we're we're making a a statement here. You know, a long contract uh, never says something about uh, you will be staying very very long. I mean, the long contract says something. We are together in a project. And if everything works for both sides, uh, we want to go on a long time together. And uh, this is what what we try to do. I didn't want to show the world that we are bad. We never know. I'm I'm too realistic uh, that something can happen tomorrow or, or in two days, uh, and you again have the, the problems. It's life, but you have to face the problems. I always say you have to inform the players. You have to say this is happening, and not saying nothing and not paying is what you just. And by us, the players all the time knew what's going on. Every every move we made, everything we made, they were informed. So you have a different relation. If you then you keep your words, then the players get a lot of confidence. Uh, and I think this is this is the most important thing. Uh, I'm very proud, for example, that Alex Dusebaev uh, didn't sign anyway. For me, this is an unbelievable guy. I, he has, of course, good money with us. This is not uh, that he has bad money with us, but the offers Alex had uh, 
But he said only one time to me, one thing to me. He says, comes Remily or don't come Remily. And then I told him, okay, I'll tell you, but I will tell you now. And, and, and then Alex signed straight away. Uh, I mean, Alex wants to win the championship. And, and that's it. And uh, he said, why should I change? If I feel well, everything is well. But I want Kelsey to have the possibilities to win the Champions League. And okay, then I said to him, okay, we will make the team like this. We can win the Champions League. And I think even this year, uh, we, we are be able to, to win the Champions League. But of course, then everything has to be on the, on the points. And uh, no, I really hope uh, first day we come back on the track. I think it's uh, very clear to everyone that consistency is hugely important to you and the philosophy you try to put into the club. Do you feel like that this is something that some handball clubs are moving away from or something you have to meet, deal with a lot more questions about coaches and questions about your decisions uh, as time goes on? It's difficult, of course. I mean, uh, uh, the, the people always searching something. Uh, I, I all the time say you have to be inside the club. You have to be inside the talking. If you want to understand what's happening in the club and not only go to the matches or watch television, and then it's very easy to say... Uh, I mean, after the match, you can you can finish every trainer, even the winning trainer. You can finish to make him five, six, seven uh, decisions, which he, in my opinion, uh, did wrong. But it's after the match. The trainer has to decide during the match, which is a much, much, much difficult job than, than that. So I'm used to it. I mean, I always say I have two ears. The one ear it goes in and the other ear. It goes out again, and, and of course they can. <laughs> not satisfied, they can uh, come to me every day, and and then I go. And oh, no, I mean, it's not like this that the club has to be with better service. I mean, it's very easy. Uh, if someone can do a better job, then I'm the first one to say, okay, do it, and and uh, I will uh, stand by and look, and I will not be angry or something like this. But if I do it, I want to have done it my way. And it's the same with the match against Barcelona now. I mean. A lot of people say we are idiots eh, eh, to make a, a game like this. And for us, it's uh, I have a very young marketing team, and this is very great. Uh, these people want, eh, and I'm sure we do it. Uh, it will take us a lot, of course, a lot of problems, uh, but and we go for it. And and I think this is the thing you should do. You should put your aims further. Eh, we want now to go uh, with uh, 160 supporters with a charter to Barcelona. Uh, and, and that's it. And we decided to do it and not to talk about it, but just to do it. And then uh, we will see where it, where it where it ends. But but if you say yes, you have to go yes. And now the people are concentrated on that. And I really have a great marketing department. I mean, this is these are guys who are uh, love it. What they do, they love it. And, and that's very important to have people around you who really are as crazy as me. And and this is great. Like Magda, for example. Yeah, <laughs> well, you definitely get that feeling every time. Uh, every time you come into the arena and you you meet the people before the game day, uh, you definitely get that feeling in in Kielce. Now, uh, you mentioned before we went online that you had a quick exchange with Alex on Twitter, and I want to ask you about Twitter because it seems to be your new obsession recently. No, it's not a question. <laughs> I, I just decided. You know, uh, what I want with Twitter is, is one thing. I want to show uh, how this club a little bit works from inside on. And so how uh, that you can't always, uh, let's say, the, the, the people on Twitter are very nice and good and so on. I'm not sorry to say, but I'm 
I want to make, I don't want to attack them on either way because these are really people on level. I just want them also to think how they can help us with getting this uh, this feeling away that everything is normal. That you can only cre- in Poland is a little bit the problem in our in our country is a little bit the problem that they like to criticize. Yeah, and 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 this is a little bit the problem. And th- th- this is what I decided to do is to try to if even if I every week change only five people. I change five people their minds, and I try to to get a little bit. I, I liked a little bit, of course, to to, to play. Uh, this this is nice, but but if I do something, I do it right. I Pavel uh, Papai, my marketing manager, asked me five years to do it. I said, Pavel, I don't have the time to do it. It's important. If you if you want to do something like this, you have to, have to take the time and and every day spend some time on it. If you don't do that, then it's then it will not work. So I said I want to have 10,000 people. So I have uh, around 1,000. So I have a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's building quickly, though. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we, well, will see, we will see where it ends. <laughs> Thank you, Alex, for your... <laughs> we, 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 you can get some pushing from this podcast as well. And I'm sure uh, I would recommend everyone to follow uh, Bertus on uh, on Twitter. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I think it's fantastic though like to to be able to interact i think that's one of the the great things particularly with the little the handball circle on twitter everyone is very passionate and you mentioned there you had a, a nice conversation with the spaniard you and rasmus boyson seem to be best friends already on twitter and that's great rasmus is, uh, is unbelievable for me what he's doing i mean this guy, I don't know. I think 24 hours he's doing this or something like that because he is, or he is very well organized. It's also possible, of course. But, but really, what he does is, is a great job, I think, and uh, great respect for, for such a guy who really is necessary in, in the handball world. This sort of people, this sort of, uh, and he, where he gets all this information from, I don't know. But, but uh, my problem is I'm a little bit art technique, eh? and yeah. I have to learn how this works, everything, because. Uh, Always Pavel is phoning me. I made again a mistake. I said, oh, what did I do wrong again? <laughs> but maybe in one year, I will understand how this works. So you have this kind of very clear philosophy about how you want things done. And you talk about it doing your own way. Where do you get your influence from inside or outside of handball? Are there any clubs in, in sport in general that you look to thinking hmm, they kind of they hit the nail on the head? Yeah, I think 20 years ago, I uh, I looked a lot to, to, uh, to kill they were kill how they build the structures in sponsoring how they how they do this sort of uh but the last let's say 10 years yeah we have a very good relations with, with everyone in the in the in the forum club handball uh, and uh, automatically you have contact with everyone i really have a very good relationship for example with uh, Dirk Smeske from Flensburg or Xavier Cohen from, from Barcelona before of course with Bruno Bruno in Paris now they changed uh, to Terrier on my year. I didn't meet him yet. Uh, but uh, Vesprom, of course, I have a lot of uh, good contacts. So so automatically you, you you talk now with the people and you say, how, how do you do this? Uh, how we can do this? And they ask me how you do this. And then, then, then you get a sort of relationship which is open. But on the other hand, uh, after 20 years of handball, I know uh, where I want to go. I know... Uh, and how, how we want to do it. But of course, I'm not a handball expert, so I I have to rely 100% here on talent. I mean, uh, of course, uh, I have my opinion. I uh, sometimes finding some young players or whatever, and I say, talent, look to this, look to that. 
and you decide this guy or whatever. But but of course the main decisions uh, about the players is done by talent, which is logical, I think. Uh, but uh, what's your philosophy? Your philosophy, in my opinion, every country has its own a little bit its own uh, system. Also, I mean, Polish firms are different than German firms, or whatever. What we try to do is is now uh, to change a little bit to the foreign market. Uh, we have sometimes the feeling that in uh, in Germany we are more popular than in Poland. Uh, and in Poland, of course, uh, handball is uh, not the second, third, or fourth sport, but maybe the sixth, seven, or eight. And this is a problem. I mean, we have too little uh, things in the media, and we try all, also to force them a little bit here. That's also why Twitter. Right? If you ask me why Twitter, uh, a lot of people are writing about my stupidities on Twitter, and this gives articles in the in the papers and so on. And this is not to make me popular, but it's to make handball more seen, more uh, done. Uh, of course, we are missing a little bit in Poland now the great uh, Polish players. Uh, before, uh, uh, players like Tkaczy, Wilecki, Smal, everyone wants to see them, everyone wants to touch them. And we don't have these players at this moment. Alex, of course, is such a player, but he is not Polish. Uh, and so the best our players at this moment are not Polish. And this is a little bit, of course, uh, a problem. Also, the national team of Poland is not very high in 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 the in, in, in sport now. So this is the problem you face. So we have to look a little bit more. What can we do for the sponsor from Germany? What can we do for the sponsor from Spain? What can we do for the sponsor from France? Now we will have next year we will have four France players. So we are searching now ways to to come on these markets. Uh, big firms in, in France who are in Poland at the moment, and, uh, all the German firms uh, with Andreas Wolf, but uh, Spain. Okay, but we have a lot of contacts at the moment, and I think we managed to do something with these uh, people uh, the next few months. Also. Mm. Well, Lidl are always very good in handball now. Well, Lidl, I already have a complex because we so many times were close. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> let's put it like let's put it like this. Uh, 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 Lidl is not our first at the moment. Okay, <laughs> but of course they are respected. This is this is clear, and this is nothing uh, to do with Lidl. Uh, this has more to do with us, of course. And I mean, if we were good enough, Lidl should come to us. We are not good enough for them, so we have to be honest in this case. Uh, but of course, we are we having now a lot of uh, lot of. We want to change the name of Vive, uh, so. Uh, we want uh, worms, uh, uh, something, something, calcium. And uh, at this moment, we are searching to change this name for Viva. And Viva can be then, if my firm is good again, can be the extra security so we will never have these problems again if someone if someone goes away. So this is the good time to do it, I think, to just to find this firm on a slowly way. Uh, uh, we wait the aim before the end of December. We want to have uh, a second sponsor in the name. If, if this should work, it again gives some more security for the for the future. I think this is important. Looking at this season, then we've only had one game in the Champions League, which you mentioned a little bit about earlier. And overall, though, this group in the Champions League is really heavy, a really tough group. And I guess these are the games you want to be having uh, when you're looking from the marketing side as well. But what do you think about the the season as a whole? And is there any teams from what you've seen that impresses you? Of course, uh, for me at the moment, Barcelona is is is, is great. I think uh, Barcelona next week, next year, Alborg will be uh, will be great. I think 
there are so many strong teams. I mean, uh, Vesprem is doing well on the new coach. Uh, you see the different mentality there. Uh, so this is also a very good team, of course. Now, Flensburg is always very good. Kiel is always very good. So this is the, th- the great thing in handball at the moment. I think we have 10 clubs, 12, which can win everyone for everyone. And there is no game outside of Kiel's which you can go and you say, ah, we will win to this. We don't have to take our best players or whatever. Uh, it's impossible. I mean, the level level is really uh, going up. But for me, the big favorites are Paris and, and, and Barcelona this year. I think they have the strongest teams. Uh, I think also that in Paris is changed something that and Hansen and Remali, for example, this is the last chance to show uh, and to also thank the clubs for, for so many years, uh, good working together. Concours uh, is going also. So, so I think uh, this is the year for Paris. Uh, they really can do it. But the other side, uh, Barcelona is, is very, very strong. What is our aim is, is very easy. If we come to the final four, there we can win from everyone. And uh, so you just have to be sure that you are at the final four, which is, of course, uh, not easy. But even the fourth place uh, gives you still... Uh, the possibilities to go there. Uh, of course, uh, uh, not so easy than your first or second, but but we said to each other very easy. At home, we should win every match and a way to get as many points as possible, of course. And and I think now with the help of our supporters back, because last year they were missing, but everywhere, of course. Uh, with the help of our supporters, we always have a few goals ahead. The pressure in the hall is really very great. And... Uh, yeah, so I hope uh, we first day. If we first day win, everyone comes back to normal. Everything gets quiet. If we should lose again, uh, then you get, of course, these negative people uh, will do their job. And let's put it like this. Okay, I will have system one year, second year, but still it it's 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 going on then. And also the pressure the pressure on the players will be enormous. I mean, you can feel this now already. Yeah? The, 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 this is the difficult part. The difficult part is not to play good. The, the, the difficult part is to play good if there's the pressure there. And the great players and the good players, you will see uh, if it's uh, like Alex Dusebaev is always there when it's important. And these are the great players uh, for me. And it's not only Alex. There's a lot of players in Europe who are like this. And uh, But for us, it's very, very important to win first at the match. And uh, then uh, I think everything is open. Of course, uh, we lost two points, which we should have. Uh, normally, we should have won. Bertus, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. And let's do it again sometime soon. Thank you very much and good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Bertus Servos. A brilliant interview, I think, if we do say so ourselves, but not because of us, but because of him. Uh, What a great guy. Uh, Really, I mean, we always say fascinating insight, but it was actually a fascinating insight into uh, his mindset, I think, in particular. And he has always kind of been this enigma of a figure. Like, everyone knows who he is in the handball world, but it's not not so often that he's in the international news and so lovely that we could talk to him and uh, and hear his thoughts and yeah very cogent thoughts as well on the handball world at the moment it was i i loved the you know we talked a lot about economics and the economics of a handball club on this podcast before and what what keeps it going and it was pretty interesting to see the the lengths that 
handball clubs have to go to uh, secure money to make sure that um, a top club stays at the top. And absolutely fascinating. But they lost their first game uh, against Dino Bucharest. Uh, of course, Berta said he's not too worried, but the fans are already getting on him. And it just seems like a group where results are going to be exchanged. There, do you see one team kind of standing out uh, from this group? Whew. Or more, do you see Barcelona <laughs> winning every game? <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's what I thought you were leaning towards. And Barca, they... Well, I saw that I commentated the game against Flensburg last week. And I was impressed with Flensburg, most of all, because they were absolutely torn apart by injuries in the backcourt and managed to reduce Barca to 25 goals, which is, uh, as we know in recent years, very, very rare. Uh, The Barca team, I think, are still finding their way a little bit, and that's understandable when you think of like 12 years, Javi Pascal being the coach, and a bunch of their... Um, experienced mainstays leaving like Entrerios, like Sorrento. And the team is clearly very, very talented. It always looked like they were able to step up another gear if needed against Flensburg. And so it never really looked like the, the result was in danger. But what is worrying for them is that uh, Lucas Indrich is now out for the next two months with a dislocated shoulder. And so that all of a sudden puts a lot more um yeah suddenly a lot more pressure on the the backcourt because uh Doman Makritz is gonna ha- be the first choice there and then you'll probably have uh Deke Mem and Melvin Richardson playing in the center as well sometimes so all of a sudden it's uh, uh going to be a bit of a different look for them yeah and M- Melvin Richardson has taken on that position of um second center back which you've seen him do before um, they played a, a Spanish league game and he was devastating from uh, centre-back. He, okay, it's a Spanish league game, but <laughs> uh, that seems to be the way they're going. Why worry is on the left-back position? And it's something that I thought of before the Sindrich injury because they did lose Charios and they lost Palmerson. They're left with a left-back position made up of Langaro and Ali Zayn. Both players who've, you know, accomplished quite a lot on an international stage. They're good players, but it's nowhere near the same level. We'll see what Ali Zayn can do um, in, in the system and everything, but I have a bit of a worry about that left-back position and with Sindrich going down it's weakened even more because he, he can take that role uh, as well mm. when needed. Um, so maybe not, not the all-conquering Barcelona team this year. I mean, it's not, it's not like uh, Sendrich is going to be out for the whole season, but um, like not a good thing when your, your shooting arm is dislocated. Um, and so it's going to take a while uh, for him to get back up to speed. I am willing to give Ali Zayn a bit more time. Uh, I think he, he could stay up at this level. He's 30 now, making his debut in the Champions League, which is kind of uh, bizarre. But he's had such a good year with Egypt. So, um, yeah, I, I trust he could do something with the, the talent playing around him in Barca. But he's not the best Egyptian in this group. And that is <laughs> Brian Campion's 
Oh, what well, is it? Is he still the the surprise player, or the upcoming player of the year? <laughs> He's come up now, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, Omar. Yes. <laughs> up and coming player, third year in a row. <laughs> oh God! But but what do you think of Vesprem? I think what you said at the beginning was a very very good point about the the crowd. I mean, had it been an empty arena, I'm not really sure they would have gotten the result against Paris because I watched, I tuned in at the start of the second half and I looked at, it just looked like they just kind of didn't know where they were going. And um, the, the 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 looks you were getting off some of the Paris heads was like they were almost surprised at how 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 easy it was going for them or how, how smoothly it was all going for them. And then there was just a stage where you just had this, some manic pieces of, t- of attacking by um favorite uh, Ninadic where it just kind of got really got the crowd going and then they just kind of rode that wave and that was it was a huge uh, aspect in them and coming back and taking the win I mean I think Paris were up four goals with 16 minutes left and then they lost by three um so it was, it was quite the turnaround and that will be a huge factor this season going forward but yeah I think looking at Paris and then also looking at Vesprem this, I mean, they, they still had a change of coach as well, so they're going to need some time also to to settle in. But generally, the group Barca look like they might need a, a few months to get going, perhaps. So I think it's going to make for some some really uh, good handball. I don't think we're going to see Barca run away with the number one spot early in the season. I'd like to not to think not anyway from what I've seen so far. But again, it's only been one game. Mm. Let's not get too excited. You could see Barca next week winning by fifteen. What a spectacle this group will be because it has some of the best fan bases in handball altogether. We have Veshprem, we have Kielsa, we have now Dinamo Bucharesti, which was an absolute cauldron. Yeah. And again, probably was the reason why they won that game against Kielsa, which is a, a huge surprise and I wasn't <laughs> expecting uh, Javi Pascal to have such an influence already um how was that an outlier do you think chris or do we see a, a property yeah i think when you when you mentioned uh when you first mentioned oh he's not the best egyptian in this group my mind immediately went to muhammad mamdu <laughs> <laughs> not yahya omar so i guess i'm not up to speed yet in my own uh <laughs> in my own head no I, I don't think it will be in uh this group is super tight and, and teams at home like Bertus said will expect to win their games at home um, and to be fair when the the draw was made I think you and I both kind of wrote off Motor and uh, Dinamo Bucharesti as the two teams that were just going to be smacked in this group and after here they are after round one both having won their game and uh, with Motor beating Porto so I think yeah it is going to be a really tight group you throw Flensburg's issues, which the injury issues aren't going to go away very quickly. Um, so I think they're going to have some trouble here. And when are Flensburg going to get a new physio or a, <laughs> a sports doctor? What's the deal? Like, I know. Jim Goffertson must be absolutely on his knees. He's been playing on his own in that backcourt for two years running now. He must be begging. <laughs> Well, it was just it, out. it was just so it was so bizarre like the three three guys uh Jim Godfrey's and Mads Mensa and Aaron Mensing playing 
every single second in the backcourt. And they only, they played with eight players the whole game. So they had subs, they just didn't use them, uh, which I found kind of bizarre as well. Yeah, I mean, particularly in the last few minutes, just give some guys a run out or like, I mean, how much can it hurt to throw out a, well, yeah, it could hurt a lot against Barca to throw a couple of 17-year-olds yeah, out. We did, uh, yeah, we <laughs> did see that against Kiel as well, where yeah. they did uh, widen squad a little bit. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that, I mean, we we learned from Nantes last season. You just you've got to blood the young guys, and you never know what'll come. You never know what'll come out of it. Uh, they're there for a reason, the young players. So um, I, I have a feeling they're going to have a bit of bother here in the opening few rounds. Yeah, besides that, I mean, Barca, they're you're saying they're not uh, unbeatable. Vesbrem and PSG show just how like how, how much they can fluctuate in the course of a game. Dinamo and Motor will be the ones like basically every single game will be like a final for them. Uh, Kielce, who we know what they're capable of, and, and Porto as well, who uh, yeah, having lost the first game, we'll see what they're made of because this is their first season where, where they've had a a bit of an overhaul with a few big players uh having left the club yeah i'm not not sure about porto um this year uh as i said i it felt like last year was the year for them to make the push that they seemed destined for they mm. seem destined for a you know a final four appearance or at least capable for that i i don't know what They'll be like this year. They didn't really make enough um, transfers to make up for the players they lost. They got some players back, really. Um, the Pedro Valdez from um, Sporting. A, a, a couple of Cubans uh, mm. that might make a difference. But overall, I think a weakened team. And one for the picking for this group, I think. Should we, should we throw in any, any predictions? Not not the final four. We've any other predictions? <laughs> okay, let let's just go bottom of each group. Okay, who's going to be the last team in each group? Okay, I reckon it'll be Zagreb in Group A and Motor in Group B. Oh come on! Stop the lights. <laughs> not Brian's favourite motor Zaporozhia do, do you remember do you remember this time last year and you were laughing at me you were laughing at me because I was quoting the results from two seasons ago but I was still saying my point still <laughs> standard that, that, now, now it's three seasons ago now it's three seasons ago <laughs> but I don't know I think it's uh, yeah, you, you, they got they got truck in there now as well with motors you know and they've beat uh, Brest by 11 in the Seja League you know and it is the Seja League I know but I think I don't see to finish bottom I'm going to go for Porto to finish bottom and oh no no wait a second now no uh, it's going to be a toss up between Dynamo and Porto I think and I think we might be jumping to too many conclusions a little bit early on I'm probably going to still say maybe Dynamo finish bottom and Elvrum tough one but look I I will I, I will put Porto at the bottom and and that, that that is probably jumping to conclusions because they've still been very good in, in the league, but I'm I'm sticking with it. Unfortunately, Porto bottom and uh, Elverum will be uh, bottom of that group A. I think. Okay. 
Young player, young breakout player. <laughs> I'll go for Yahya Omar. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for Yahya Omar again just because it's tradition now. So I want him to be... <laughs> I want him to be youngest, best breakout player seven years in a row. Do you know, just like... <laughs> youngest, youngest, youngest handball player, youngest handball player award. Yeah, Yomar. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but we, we're joking about this. But it seems like Yeah, Omar is breaking out every year because he's like, oh, this guy's quite good. He's going to have a good season. He has a good season. Oh, and then he has a better season. Then he starts off this season by scoring ten goals and getting six assists to absolutely destroy PSG so that's you know he is on this insane trajectory um but he's no longer that young <laughs> I know. I'm gonna go with um I think because he's gonna have to because of the the situation of the injury to Sendrich Doman Makuts for me I think my young breakout player will be Aaron Mensing and that is it's a bit reactionary because he's just had a unbelievable start to the season but he is a star he was one of the best players in Denmark and with so much responsibility on him early on in Flensburg he can grow into this role and make the difference a bit later non-style yeah yeah that's good any any other predictions before we head off the Andreas Wolf uh, prediction for the season how what kind of season is he going to have? I, I hope for Bertus' sake he has a good one because um, I think as Alex uh, tweeted uh, from our account last week, uh, that's what happens when you have one goalkeeper you rely on. So they they really rely on him, and um, yeah, I think he's bound to have a good year at some point with them. It's going to be this year. Who, who's going to have a better season, Van Sancherard or Andreas Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough one. Oh. Uh, I think uh, maybe 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 mm. uh, had a great summer, so he's done now for two years. So I reckon uh, Andreas Wolf will be the man. <laughs> 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 Who's going to be the best right back? It's, it's the hot position. I asked this question because there's just it seems so like many. every top player is a right back. Yeah, I'm going to ask you who the best left back is. Which is an even harder one, but that, not because there's too many of them. I'm going to go for... I was going to say Deacon Man, but can't go all Barca here. Dominic Mathe is going to be the one who drags Elverham into the playoffs. Before he goes to PSG. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't want to talk about him again, but I think Yaya Omar might actually be the right best, ba- right, best right back. <laughs> <laughs> don't just keep repeating his name the whole time, but actually, that's actually a real answer now. <laughs> and then left back, uh, left back, Sandra Sagerson. Ma- yeah, maybe even someone like Prandine will clean up. Like, I don't know, not sure. He was looking good at the end of last season. So, what are you saying, Alex? Aaron Palmerson for me. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna do it. I believe I believe in Albor. How long is he injured for? Finally, is, uh... I think it's only six weeks. Okay. So it's not it's not too bad. He'll uh, he'll miss lots of games, but uh, Palmerson has a tendency to show up when teams need him most in the final stages. So he'll be ready for that. Yeah, they didn't need him in the final of the Champions League, so he didn't. He was fine. It's like, yeah, I'm injured. all right let's wrap it up there homework for everyone listening to the podcast find out which player 
Bertha Servas was talking about in that Rasko Stojkovic story. Uh, answers on a postcard, please, and we'll reveal the best answers in our next one, uh, which should be coming pretty soon. As we promised, uh, there'll be more previews, some late previews or start of the season celebrations coming up. Uh, until then, take care and goodbye. Goodbye.